0: You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. While you're turning there, let me ask you a question. Um, I don't know if you heard about the The three fellows that were killed in a car wreck, as they entered into heaven, God looked at them and recognized that their names were written in the Lamb's book of life. And as they entered into heaven, St. Peter gave them one rule. He said, we have one rule here, and that one rule is this, that you do not bump into a penguin. No matter what you do, do not bump in to a penguin. The three fellows looked at each other and said, we have this now. We have this. There's no problem. We can do this. And, and, and right out of the gate, the first fella bumped into a penguin. And as soon as he bumped into a penguin, Peter brought to him and shackled to him the most Ugly woman, you could ever imagine. I mean, think of ugly, multiply it times a hundred, and that is who is shackled to that one man. Well, the other two looked at that and said, Man, we are not going to bump into a penguin. They made it about a month, and the second fella accidentally, as he is going around his way through heaven, he accidentally bumps into a penguin. And sure enough, here comes St. Peter with. A woman who is a hundred times uglier than the first woman shackles him to her and says, you have to live for all eternity with this ugly woman. Well, that third man, he looked at the first two and he said, there's no way. And he's rocking along. One year goes by, two years goes by, three years goes by, and he is not bumped into one penguin. And all of a sudden, this drop-dead gorgeous woman is walking alongside Peter, and Peter brings her to him and shackles this drop-dead gorgeous woman to this third man. And he says, wow, I don't know what I did to deserve this. And the woman said, I don't know either. All I did was bump into a penguin. (laughs) Oh, man. Probably not a true story. Probably not. It's just the way I heard it. You know, some people think highly of themselves. Think too highly of themselves, right? How many of us in here, if we were honest, we would say we struggle with pride? This morning, I want to talk to you from John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, about developing a humble heart. About developing a humble heart. You see, developing a humble heart is something that we should do out of an overflow of love for God. Developing a humble heart is something that, that it's not that we ought to do, or or that we're just simply commanded to do, and we are, but we should do it out of an overflow of gratitude for the salvation that God has given us. Developing a humble heart is a response to the gracious gift of the Holy Spirit. Developing a humble heart is a response from the Christian life, in gratitude for eternal life. John chapter 13, verse 1 through 6. Let's read this. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew, underline that word, knew. Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, when it's time for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him, to betray Jesus. There it is again. Jesus knew. Underline, highlight that word. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, this is Jesus, Jesus gets up from supper, he lays aside his outer clothing, he took a towel and tied it around himself, next he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. Father, speak to us this morning by your powerful word, Father, teach us, shape us, mold us to develop this fruit of the Spirit, humble. God, may we, may we do this not just simply to be obedient to a command. Oh, may we do it for that, but may we do it as an overflow of thanks. May we do it out of a gratitude. May it be the response of our life to develop a humble heart out of gratitude for what You have done for us. It is in Your Son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen. Jesus is less than 24 hours away from His crucifixion. That's where we find ourselves in the story. Less than 24 hours away from His crucifixion. John chapter 13 through John chapter 17 records the last 24 hours of Jesus' life before His crucifixion. And in this event that we read this morning, Jesus displays humility and love at the absolute purest level. Jesus displays humility and love at the absolute most purest level ever. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 29, Jesus says to us, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Let me ask you a question before we get too far into the message. Church, family, and friends, let me ask you, how is your soul? Your soul finds rest By following and being obedient to our Lord and Savior. Let me say that again. Your soul finds rest by following and being obedient to our Lord and Savior. Our soul doesn't find rest by avoiding people. Our soul doesn't find rest by by going on on a certain trip. Our soul simply finds its rest by following and being obedient to our Lord and Savior. And listen to what Jesus says. He says, take upon yourselves my yoke. Now think about that. Here's Jesus just hours away from his crucifixion. And we have the command. Jesus says, not your strength, but my strength. Take up my yoke and you will find rest for your souls. Now think about this. Here Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's, he's, he's come back into Jerusalem. There's crowds of people preparing for the Passover. And Jesus has all of these people pressing in for His attention, but it doesn't make Jesus swell with pride. Jesus knows that He is less than 24 hours away from His crucifixion, and His forehead isn't wrinkled with worry. He isn't consumed with fear looking for a way out. His attitude isn't shaken by anxiety. Now, think of that just 24 hours, just a few hours away from the end of his life, just a few hours away from the most cruel and humiliating form of punishment known to man. And Jesus washes our feet. How is that possible? How is it that the Son of God Stoops, puts on a towel of a servant and washes our feet. How is that possible? How how is that possible for Jesus to do that? Let me give you two observations. Before we get too far into the message, I want to give you two observations of why I believe Jesus is able to do what he is about to do. Please don't just dismiss it. Well, that's Jesus. No, listen. He is about to face a cruel humiliating punishment, the cross, for you and I. How is it that he can press pause and wash, take the lowliest of all jobs and wash our feet? Number one way is this. Jesus is confident in who he is. Jesus is confident in who he is. Look again with me in verse 1. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew That is a key word for us to understand. Jesus knew, he was confident that his hour had come. Do you remember uh, Jesus' very first miracle? He's he's, he's at a a wedding in Cana. And his mother tells him, they've run out of wine, you need to do something. And Jesus says, my hour has not yet come come do you remember that Jesus my hour has not yet come but here Jesus knows that his hour had come to depart from this world the scripture goes on to depart from this world to the father having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end Jesus knew that he was in the hands of his loving father and nothing hear me nothing outside of his father's will Nothing outside of his father's protection and nothing outside of his father's provision would be able to touch him. Jesus was confident in who he is. The second observation I want you to make is how, how is this possible? How could Jesus, knowing what about is, what is about to take place, wash his disciples' feet? How is that possible? The second reason is this. Jesus is confident in his pur- purpose. Jesus is confident in who he is, but Jesus is also confident in his purpose. Look with me in verse 3. Jesus, here's that word again, knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. So back to this question, how is it possible Jesus can humble himself just hours away from cruel death? How is it possible that his forehead isn't wrinkled with worry? His attitude isn't shaken with anxiety. He isn't consumed with doubt. Why is that? It's because Jesus is confident in who He is and His purpose. Confident in who He is and His purpose led Him to obedience. Let me make this personal to you and I. Knowing who we are, gives us the ability to be obedient to whose we are. Let me say that again. Knowing who we are gives us the ability to be obedient to whose we are. Look, Jesus' clothing didn't identify him. Jesus wasn't concerned that he was about to take off his outer robe and put on a a, a servant's towel because he knew that servant's towel wasn't going to identify who he was. His clothing didn't identify him. His position didn't identify him. Jesus wasn't concerned about going to the feet of the disciples because he knew that his position didn't identify who he was. He knew that he was the Son of God. Not only did his clothing not identify him, his position not identify him, but his job didn't identify him. Hear what I'm saying. Jesus is able to be obedient to God's command in his life to wash the disciples' feet at a very important moment because his job didn't identify who he was. Men, we struggle with this. More than than women, men struggle with thinking that our jobs identify who we are. Teenagers struggle with their clothing identifying with who they are. And I'm telling you, listen, our clothing don't identify us, our position doesn't identify us, and our job doesn't identify us. And when we can be free of that, I promise you, we will see more ability to be obedient to God's command in our life. Here's Jesus washing the dirty, grimy feet of the disciples. And he does so because he knows who he is in Jesus Christ, in, in, in his Father, God the Father. Listen, his relationship to God identified him and gave him confidence to serve not just the ones he loved. Think about it. Gave him confidence not just to serve Peter, James, and John. I mean, that would have been easy, and, and maybe Thomas. But not only did he serve those he loved, but he also served Judas, who just a couple hours away is going to betray him. And he knows that. The sovereign, all powerful creator and sustainer of the universe is humble, he's humble. The Lord of all creation stoops down. Oh, wrap our minds around that. That the Lord of all creation stoops down to meet our needs. He he doesn't just meet our nice, clean, and polite needs, but He stoops down to meet our dirty feet needs. He stoops down to meet our, our dirty feet needs of unforgiveness. The dirty feet of selfishness. The dirty feet of anger and bitterness and gossip. He stoops down to wash the feet of the dirty feet of sexual sin. The dirty feet of pride. And on and on and on. And you go. You, you fill in the blank. But listen, I'm telling you that Jesus Christ stoops Stoops down to cleanse and to purify our dirty feet. Listen, the only way to get over the pride of ourselves is to get into Christ and faithfully follow his example of humility. Let me say that again. The only way. To get over the pride of ourselves is to get into Christ and faithfully follow his example of humility. With that said, I want to share four principles of humility that emerge from our text this morning, that emerge from this story. The first principle of humility that I want you to see is this. Humility is unannounced. Notice this, humility is unannounced. Jesus does not say, okay men, I am going, you guys just be seated for just a moment. I am going to demonstrate humility. He, He does the exact opposite. Jesus quietly takes off his outer garments. Quietly finds the robe of the lowest servant, the towel of the lowest servant. Wraps it around his body. Listen, Jesus despises this self exaltation. He despises it. And we see that in Matthew chapter 23, verses 6 through 12. Follow along on the screen with me. They love the place of honor at banquets, the front seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called rabbi by people. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 8. But you are not to be called rabbi because you have one teacher and you are all brothers and sisters. You don't call anyone on earth your father because you have one father who is in heaven. You are not to be called instructors either because you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you. Notice what he says. The greatest among you will be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Listen, greatness does not consist of self-exaltation but self-sacrifice. Greatness does not consist of self-exaltation but self-sacrifice. Humility is unannounced. Just a quick glance at, at nature. Think, think about this. Just If you look at, at nature alone, The branch with the most fruit bends the lowest. Humility is unannounced. So we turn back to John chapter 13, verse 5. We'll see at a first glance something that looks, that that appears to be humility. But in reality, it's only a thin veil concealing pride. Look back with me at verse 5. John chapter 13, verse 5. Next is Jesus. He poured water into a basin and began to wash His disciples' feet and to dry them with a towel tied around Him. He came to Simon Peter who asked Him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. Embarrassed. To admit his need, Peter is resistant. He's unwilling to submit. He's embarrassed. He he knows his feet are dirty, but he's embarrassed that that he he wasn't the first one to step up and grab the basin and the towel. And he recognizes his need, but he's embarrassed about his need. Which leads me to my second point. Humility, not only is it unannounced, but humility is willing to receive without embarrassment. Humility is willing to receive without embarrassment. Here's Peter, he's tucking his feet under himself, he's he's pulling away, if you will. And Jesus stoops, and Peter resists a resistance. That leads to a rebuke. Jesus rebukes Peter. Look at verse 8. You will never wash my feet, Jesus. Or Peter says. No, no, no you, you will never wash my feet. Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Listen, our embarrassment to be washed by the water of God's word, our unwillingness to recognize our need to be cleansed by God's word is really a thin veil concealing pride. I don't need that Bible study. I don't need that. I don't need that Sunday school class. I don't need that. I don't need I don't need to sit underneath preaching every week. I don't need that. It's all a thin veil concealing our pride. Third principle I want you to see is humility is not a sign of weakness. Oh, we need to hear this. Humility is not a sign of weakness. Even though Jesus is performing the lowliest of tasks, Jesus, the Son of God, the the, the one who breathed this world into existence, here He is performing the lowliest of tasks. And He can still boldly assert, Peter, you're in error. Jesus being humble doesn't mean that He is is being stripped from His strength. It's not a sign of weakness. And and what's interesting is in response, Peter Peter swings. Peter goes from, from this thin veil... Of, of pride, he swings the pendulum all the way to the other side. Look, look with me in verse 9. Look at what he says. His response to Jesus' rebuke. Simon Peter says to Jesus, Lord, not only my feet. Okay, if you're going to wash my feet, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And with discernment and strength. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus puts his finger on the pulse of a very critical theological matter here's peter saying no no no, not just my feet but my whole body completely cleanse me completely wash me jesus says this in verse 10 there's two very key words here bathed and washed i want you to i want you to recognize one who has bathed jesus says does not need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. You are clean, clean, but not all of you. Peter, you are clean, but not all of you, speaking of the group. John, in, in writing his gospel, he helps us to undersee this subtle, yet very significant distinction through the use of these two words, bathed and washed one this bathed and the other wash or sponge. What he's, what he's getting at here is, is this this theological matter is that Jesus is saying this once you have truly been bathed, then you are always bathed. Peter, once you have truly been bathed, and you have Peter, then you are Always bathe. Look with me in verse 10. He says this, One one who has bathed doesn't need to wash anything except his feet. Just as today, it was then. that People would, would, before they would go out for dinner, they'd go out for some event, they they would bathe. They would clean up. They would put on fresh clothes. But different from today, as it was then, it's then they would, they would walk from, from their house to whatever the event was. And as they would walk, their whole body wouldn't get dirty. Their feet would get dirty. We experienced this while we were in Columbia, walking from one place to another. We could go to our hotel, take a shower at night, and then by the time we made it to the church uh, uh, that evening for services, our, 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 we would be clean, but our feet would be dirty. Listen, spiritually, God bathes us, cleanses us, purifies us at conversion. Cleansing our scarlet sin as white as snow. What we need in that case is not another bath. We need a cleansing from the junk of this world that we constantly find ourselves walking through. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That verse is no doubt talking about salvation, but it is also talking about the sins that we find ourselves caught up in throughout the week. Going back with me, go, go back with me to John chapter 13, verse 11. We see even a further clarification of this. Look, look with me, verse 11. For Jesus knew who would betray him, and that's why he said not all of you. He wasn't talking about Peter like not all of your body. He's talking about all of you as a group. Which leads me to my fourth point. Humility does not play favorites. Humility does not play favorites. Humility is neither exclusive or inclusive. It's not selective. Jesus washes each foot, even Judas's. If Jesus would have been fully human, not God at all, just, just only man, if he would have just been only man, he probably would have been tempted to wash Peter's feet with boiling water and Judas's feet with ice cold water, right? Peter, you're always just running your mouth. Uh, let me kind of give it to you a little bit. Judas, I, I, just, I just want you out of here. I want to shun you. But listen, Jesus did not come to scold, and he didn't come to shun. Jesus came to serve gently and humbly. That's our example in our text this morning, that Jesus came to serve Gently and humbly. Think about what's in the room. This last May, Kim and I had an opportunity to go to Israel, and we got to go into a room that they don't believe it was the, the room that they had the, this, this meal in, but one that dates back to that time period, one that would have been laid out very similar to that time period. And as we stood in that room, just thinking about that moment that Jesus washed His disciples' feet. And they know at this point who He is. They are are completely convinced of who Jesus Christ is, the Son of God, the Messiah. You know that you could hear a pin drop as Jesus went from man to man to man to wash their feet. All the disciples looking down, At their cleansed, refreshed feet. And they sit in awe of what they have just experienced. In Jesus' next statement, he drives his message home. Look with me, if you will, in verse 12. Verse 12, Jesus. And only a way that Jesus could do. He he asks a question to really drive home his point. Look at what he says. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and you're speaking rightly since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, now, if you take, pause there for just a moment, if you take the synoptic gospels and you read in Luke, and I believe it's also in Mark, you know what's happened just before Jesus enters the room and He washes their feet? The disciples are arguing over who's going to be the greatest in heaven. Who's going to sit next to Jesus? Now, can you imagine going from arguing who's going to be the greatest in heaven, who's going to sit next to Jesus, going from that all the way to being a foot washer, to being a servant? That's what Jesus says to them. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done for you. Truly I tell you, verse 16, a servant is not greater than his master and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Real quick, two lessons emerge from Jesus' example of humility and love. Number one is this. Humility includes serving one another, not just Jesus. Humility includes, it means serving our brothers and sisters in Christ. It means serving those outside of our church family. It means serving the Judases in our community. It means serving people all around the world, not just serving Jesus Christ. That's one lesson that emerges from this. But second is this. Happiness results from demonstrating humility, not just learning about it. Happiness comes from demonstrating humility, not just learning about it. Listen, obedience means we truly believe what Jesus says. It's easy to say, I believe. But if you really want to see if someone believes, see if they obey. Here's Jesus washing the feet of His enemy. Washing the feet of the one that's going to turn him over. And he serves him just like he serves Peter, just like he serves John. And he washes his feet. Let me ask you have you humbled yourself to receive Jesus' humble care? Or are you letting pride tuck your feet underneath the table and say, no, 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 I'm, I'm good. I can handle it. How do we know if we struggle with pride? Let me ask you. Was there a day this week that you went all day without communicating with God? If so, you struggle with pride. Because you have said to God, God, I don't need your help today. I got this. Listen, it is not weakness. It's not weakness to serve. It is not weakness to be served. Let Jesus wash you. Let Jesus cleanse you. Let Jesus purify you from all unrighteousness. Trust Him. He will do it. Not just not just the culturally sinful things, but the unculturally accepted sinful things. He'll cleanse you. He'll purify you. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.